I'm Dale Mason, publisher of Answers Magazine, and this is Creation Answers, a podcast of Answers in Genesis, featuring highlights from the award-winning Answers Magazine. In this episode, we're exploring common questions about Noah's Ark. To many people, the Ark sounds like a fantastic story that never could have happened. Ancient man didn't have the technology to build it. A single family couldn't care for all those animals. <laughs> really? Not so fast. Noah slapped his pen on the desk in frustration. That won't work either. He buried his head in his hands and prayed, Oh, God, help me. Stirred by his wife's footsteps, he looked up to see her approaching. What's wrong? Emzara asked. He sighed and raised his hands in frustration. How can I make it strong enough to hold together in rough seas? I'm sure you'll figure it out. She gently massaged the back of his neck. The Creator wouldn't command you to build the ark without enabling you to do it. He patted her hand softly and nodded. I know. There's just so much to think through. Apart from the ark's critically important dimensions and a few other features, the Bible reveals very little about God's instructions to Noah. Did the Lord give him detailed plans beyond what we read in Scripture so that Noah only had to prepare the pieces and put them together? Or did Noah have to figure out most details as depicted in this fictional conversation with his wife, whose name is not given in Scripture? Modern skeptics frequently assume that someone living in Noah's time would have been wholly incapable of building something as large and sophisticated as the ark. Their views raise several interesting questions that force us to dig deeper and find truths about God's Word and His work in history that we might otherwise miss. Did Noah have the technology? Scripture reveals several important facts about technology in Noah's day. Noah built the ark 16 centuries after God created man as an intelligent being, fully capable of designing and developing new technologies. Since lifespans approached a thousand years, achievements of the pre-flood world's best innovators could have been remarkable. We know they were capable of building cities, making musical instruments, and working with metal. Genesis chapter 4, verses 16 through 24. While the height of their prowess is unknown, we can be confident they did not possess vessels, other than the ark, that survived the flood. Noah's culture was almost certainly at its industrial zenith while he worked on the ark. Yet the flood served as a technological reset, obliterating any of the inventions and writings not preserved on the ark. Men began to rebuild after the flood, but soon suffered another, though less severe, setback because of their rebellion at Babel. The building project at Babel was the culmination of post-flood man's pooled ingenuity, but the Lord confused the builders' language, causing them to scatter abroad in smaller groups. Depending on where they traveled and the various skills they possessed, some factions struggled to eke out an existence while others thrived. Within a few centuries, the Great Pyramid was built. The magnitude and precision of this colossal edifice still baffles modern researchers. Elsewhere, other impressive monuments and structures were erected, such as Stonehenge, showcasing ancient man's engineering capabilities. What does this have to do with Noah's ability to build the ark? 
Well, if his descendants could raise such remarkable buildings shortly after two technological resets, then it is not difficult to believe that a man living prior to those setbacks could build such an enormous and sophisticated boat during his civilization's technological peak. Did Noah have the manpower? People regularly imagine that the eight people who survived the flood were the only people involved in the ark's construction. How could only eight people build such a massive structure? This question is not as difficult as some imagine. Genesis does not tell us that Noah's immediate family members were the only people who helped on the project. Nothing in the text rules out the possibility that they had plenty of help. Noah's grandfather, Methuselah, died the year of the flood, and Noah's father, Lamech, passed away five years earlier. Surely they could have helped out if they were in the vicinity. Noah also may have hired a construction team to build the ark. They may not have agreed with his message, but that would not prevent someone from working for pay. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 states, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Does this mean that Noah built the ark alone? Of course not. The leader of a project may be singled out for recognition when others are involved. King Solomon built the temple, according to 1 Kings chapter 6, but we know he used detailed plans God gave directly to his father David, 1 Chronicles chapter 28 verse 19. Many others were involved in its construction. See 1 Kings chapter 5 verses 13 through 18 and 2 Chronicles chapter 2 verses 17 through 18. The same is true with Moses and the Ark of the Covenant. Compare Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 3 with chapter 31 verses 1 through 11. As the leader of the Ark project, Noah can rightly be recognized as its builder, even if many others assisted him. Did Noah have the time? Many Christians assume Noah had either 100 or 120 years to build the Ark deriving these figures from Genesis chapter 5, verse 32, and chapter 6, verse 3, respectively. But these passages do not inform us that Noah began building the ark at this time. A closer look at the biblical text reveals that he probably had less time than most people suspect. Noah was 500 years old at the birth of his oldest son, Japheth, and he was in his 600th year when the flood began. When the Lord instructed Noah to build the ark, he stated, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Genesis chapter 6, verse 18. Of course, the omniscient creator may have prophesied that Noah would have sons and daughters-in-law, but this message seems to have been delivered after his three sons were grown and married. We can deduce that Noah's wife bore Shem a few years after Japheth's birth, Genesis chapter 11, verse 10. We also know that Ham was Noah's youngest son, Genesis chapter 9, verse 24, but we are not told how many years passed after Shem's birth before Ham was born. If he were two years younger than Shem, then he would have been born around Noah's 505th year. Allowing 20 years for the boys to grow up and marry would put Noah around 525, meaning that he would have had a maximum of 75 years to build the ark and he may have had far fewer than 75 years to work.
Another factor must be raised. Consider the implications of building such an enormous boat out of wood over the course of many decades. Exposed to the elements, wood tends to warp and decay as it endures heat, cold, and changes in humidity. Imagine trying to complete one part of the ark decades after another section had been built. The earliest parts of the construction might need repair by the time the ark was finished. Of course, Noah coated the ark inside and out with pitch, but we do not know how well this treatment could prevent warping and decay, and we do not know the qualities of gopher wood in these regards. For the sake of argument, if Noah had only about 20 years to construct the ark, could he still finish it in time? The Amish regularly build barns in a day, and although the ark was much larger and certainly far more sophisticated, this example shows that with the right planning and skills, large wooden edifices are often raised in a short time. Since we do not know the size of his crew or the technologies available to him, it is impossible to rule out an ark construction period much shorter than 75 years. Did Noah have the abilities and resources? The simple answer to this question is found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. Thus Noah did. According to all that God commanded him, so he did. Noah built the ark as God instructed, so he obviously had the abilities and resources to complete the task. But how did he acquire the necessary know-how? What did Noah do for a living? Many Christians claim that he was either a farmer or a preacher or both. The New Testament calls him a preacher of righteousness, 2 Peter 2, verse 5 but that does not imply that this was his occupation. It merely tells us that Noah proclaimed righteousness. Genesis chapter 9 verse 20 states that Noah began to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard. But this occurred after the flood. What did he do prior to it? People frequently assume Noah was an amateur when it came to shipbuilding. But what if Noah was already an accomplished shipwright? The Lord often calls people whom he has already equipped to perform the task, so it would not be surprising if Noah already had expertise in this area, and if he didn't, he had plenty of time to learn the necessary skills. Many key Old Testament figures foreshadowed Jesus Christ in some way. We are told that Jesus would be a prophet like Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 18, an anointed king like David, 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 12 through 16 and Acts chapter 2 verse 30, and the last Adam, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. We also know that Jesus was a carpenter like his earthly father, Joseph, Mark chapter 6, verse 3, and Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. Since Noah built a huge wooden ark, then he certainly qualifies as a carpenter, and in that sense, he foreshadows the Savior. Noah's task required vast resources to complete, and we can be confident that God would have made these accessible to him in some way. For example, Noah may have lived near a forest of gopherwood trees, assuming that this term refers to a kind of timber, rather than some type of process to prepare the lumber. Contrary to popular traditions, Noah didn't have to track down the animals, because the Lord brought all the creatures to him. Genesis chapter 6, verse 20. However, the Lord did make Noah responsible for building the ark, and storing all the food. These were huge tasks, but if Noah was a wise planner, 
he could easily delegate any tasks to other family members who had a knack for them. Noah did all God commanded. Building the ark was a monumental undertaking, but with God's provision, Noah was up for the challenge. He lived during a time when the world had likely reached its highest point of technological achievement. His descendants who built Babel and then scattered proved that they had the technology to build remarkable structures like Stonehenge and the pyramids. Much is implied in the words, Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Genesis chapter 7, verse 5. His job was to obey God and trust Him to supply what He lacked, including wisdom to build a sturdy ship and finish the project on schedule. Can you imagine what it must have felt like when the ark was finally complete? Perhaps he had a short time to reflect on the accomplishment before the Lord told him to load the ark. Noah gazed across the field, bustling with thousands of honking, squawking, squealing, shrieking animals of every imaginable color and shape. Beyond them, the ark towered above the landscape as the sun slowly sank beyond the horizon. He inhaled deeply and put an arm around Amzara. At last, after all those years, we're finished. She smiled and nodded. I knew the Almighty would help you figure it out. I just never imagined his task would be so huge. Amzara leaned her head against him. When do we start loading? Noah shrugged. Soon, I guess. The Creator brought all these animals here. I trust that he'll tell us when the next stage begins. That was written by my friend Tim Chafee, the content manager for The Ark Encounter, the world-class attraction of Answers in Genesis, just south of Cincinnati. So... It's actually easy to see how one family could build the ark. But how could they care for all those animals? That answer is next. If you want to learn more about the flood, one of my favorite videos on this subject is Noah's Ark Thinking Outside the Box. Check it out. It's at AnswersBookstore.com. Even if Noah could build a wooden ark strong enough to survive a year-long flood, how could he house and feed all those animals? Imagine the challenges of space, food storage, waste removal, ventilation, and fresh water. It sounds too fantastic to believe. Or is it? It's difficult to think of Julius Caesar and other famous historical figures as real people, especially since we never lived in ancient Rome or ate blood pudding and Julian stew at the emperor's table. We know they were real folks, but we never experienced the things they saw and touched every day. This is no less true of Bible characters like Noah. Many people think of him as a great example of a faithful man, and he certainly was that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. But he was a living, breathing ancestor on your and my family trees. Like the rest of us, he had his fair share of joy and pain, failures and victories, times of ease and challenges. God tells us more about him than any other non-Jew. The more we think about his impossible undertaking, the more God can use it to inspire us to imitate Noah's faithfulness. You think you face challenges? Noah had to engineer the biggest wooden ship ever built. But that was just the beginning. He had to care for every kind of air-breathing land animal that God had made. Imagine, modern zookeepers often find it challenging to keep a single wild species healthy, even after years of study. Noah, in contrast, 
had to meet the peculiar needs of every kind of wild creature. That includes not only the ancestors of modern bears and anteaters, but tyrannosaurs and pterosaurs. Modern skeptics scoff at the possibility that a single family could coordinate such a huge undertaking. Just think about some of the difficulties. How could you store enough food for several thousand animals over a year? How could you feed so many animals every day? Where would you put all their waste? How could you replenish their clean water? Put yourself in Noah's shoes. He had a challenging job ahead of him. God had given him broad instructions for the ark's building materials and dimensions, but what about the details on the animals? Noah was hundreds of years old when God spoke to him, and he had learned enough to know that this project would demand more wisdom than any one man possessed. God told him that he would send him every kind of animal, but what would be the total number? The whole world would be destroyed with water, but how long would the flood last? Noah needed answers to all these questions to build enough cages and store enough food. God gave him the broad outline, but Noah was responsible to research, organize, and plan. It was just the same as it's always been. God gives us a job to do, but every believer must prayerfully work out the details. Cozy Quarters First, how do you keep animals safe for such an extended period of time? To make matters worse, a flood of this scale would be a violent event, with raging winds and pounding waves jostling the ship. We can't go back to Noah's actual home to know exactly how he solved these problems. But we know enough from the history of animal care and modern husbandry to imagine the most likely solutions that a reasonable man with a good knowledge of animal behavior could implement in any era of history. For example, providing animals with spacious accommodations may seem ideal. But in reality, animals under stress often feel much safer in tighter quarters, and they even seek out little nests. So providing small, fairly dark spaces, such as cages, would help them feel more secure. Also, animals do better when they are grouped with other members of their kind. So it made sense for Noah to keep many of the animals in pairs. Many larger animals may need to get out occasionally and stretch. Noah could have come up with some practical solutions that wouldn't require too much extra space. Perhaps larger animals could be channeled into more open areas via a system of gates, allowing them to exercise on a rotation schedule. Just avoid getting into pens with the larger ones because moving ships move animals. Wood is adequate building material for most cages. But what about the cages for those animals that gnaw wood? Smaller cage bars could be made of bamboo because it's a very hard material and resists chewing. An added benefit of bamboo is that it grows quickly. Perhaps Noah could grow fresh batches every spring while he was building the ark. The dim lighting in the ark would have a positive impact on many reptiles and amphibians making them largely inactive. Inactive crocodiles, for instance, are known to last up to three years without a meal. But what about the rest of the animals that would still be active in eating? God specifically mentioned that Noah needed to gather up food for the floating menagerie. The galley. Ah, that's right, food. Over the course of a year, these several thousand animals would consume a few hundred tons of it. Now that's a lot of kibble. Many of today's animals have very specialized diets because they've adapted to nearly every niche on the planet. The animals that God sent Noah, in contrast, likely weren't the most specialized species within a created kind. In fact, most animals can eat almost anything nutritious, rather than starve, if they don't have a choice. So Noah had to identify the food types that would meet each animal's basic survival needs, at least short-term. He could then divide up the animals into zones on the ark near their primary food sources. 
koalas and emus would be next to the dried fruits, pigs and kangaroos next to the grain. This would make the process of feeding more efficient. He needed to identify foods that had a long shelf life, such as dried plant leaves, grasses, and seeds. Fresh leaves and grasses could be made into a mash and then compressed into pellets, compacting a lot of nutrients into a small space like energy bars. Any farmer would know how to store the food pellets in waterproof containers, such as earthen vessels. Fruits preserve well in honey, jams and jellies and syrups. Certain tubers and gourds even remain fresh for up to a year if hung in the air. Dried fruits are easier to keep, though. Dried vegetation is sufficient for the vast majority of herbivores, but if fresh vegetation is needed, whether for food or medical purposes, Noah had to find or cultivate varieties that grew well in low-light conditions. As much as possible, he needed to provide varied food types because animals with more balanced diets are usually healthier. Most animals consume plants, but what about the ones that may have switched entirely to meat, as have modern snakes and cats? Would Noah want to store live animals on board as food? It certainly could be done. For instance, seafarers in the 1600s and 1700s frequently brought giant tortoises on their ships as a fresh meat source. Tortoises are hardy and can sometimes stay alive for over a year without food. Alternatively, meat can be preserved through drying, pickling, salting, or smoking. In many cases, meat eaters will switch to plant material or insects when meat is unavailable. Insects would be easy to breed in fruits, grains, meat, and manure. Manure was certainly available in abundance. Waste not, want not. What's that smell? And speaking of animal waste, what is the best way to deal with the ark's leading export? Though some of the solid waste could become insect food, the majority, say a few tons per day, would likely require disposal or neutralization. No big deal, right? Obviously, Noah's crew could jettison the waste from the ark either manually or with simple animal-powered systems. On the other hand, food containers could be refilled with solid waste as they were emptied. Alternatively, worms could break down the solid waste into a nutrient-rich soil, a process called vermicomposting. Choices, choices, and every one of them viable. Noah could have built slatted or grooved floors beneath some of the cages, perhaps with gutters, to help automate the process of waste collection. Bamboo is once again a practical choice because it resists urine's corrosive effects. Bamboo could have even been used to pipe away liquid waste. Methane buildup, on the other hand, is not a problem. It's lighter than air, and the ark has excellent ventilation up top. Stinky? Yes. Dangerous? No. Water, water everywhere. How will you provide fresh water for the ark's population? Cisterns or other sealed vessels could house several million gallons of water, enough to last a year. However, this solution raises unique difficulties. First, water use is hard to predict. How much will the animals consume in these stressful conditions, and how much waste is likely? How much of the sitting water might get infested with harmful organisms? A solution is periodic cleanings of the cisterns or the use of water-filtering organisms, such as mussels. But you'd have the laborious task of shifting water between cisterns. Also, there is a risk of the system becoming clogged with the filterers. An alternative is to collect rainwater from the ark's large roof surface. A problem is that the rainfall may have been unreliable later in the flood sequence. Also, the volcanic eruptions may have contaminated the water, requiring special water treatment, probably impractical given the sheer volume of liquid needed on the ark. Perhaps the best solution is a combination of storage and rainwater collection. Bamboo pipes and simple valves could help disperse water from the cisterns, while Noah could have placed vacuum-fed water containers in most enclosures 
that would require a refilling only from time to time, not daily. Any rainwater collected would possibly still need treatments, such as settling, filtering, and chemical cleansing, but on a more practical scale. An empty tomb. This just scratches the surface of the challenges Noah had to consider. Indeed, the task must have been overwhelming. A skeptic may see the difficulties and dismiss the account as a myth, describing a death trap that would become a tomb rather than a lifeboat. But on what does success of a project ultimately hinge? It wasn't God's ability to pick a man who was great at planning. It was simply God's favor to Noah. Then Noah feared God and obeyed his commands. Whether blessings or curses, mercy or judgment, God always keeps his word. Noah accomplished everything God had commanded because Noah knew his creator had made a promise, and his creator always keeps his promises. By resting not in his own faithfulness, but in God's, Noah knew that God would see him through the flood to save both him and his household. The ark did more than provide their personal physical salvation, though, didn't it? Indeed, you and I were preserved on that ship in them. Yes, the skeptic may see the ark as a hopeless tomb, but in reality, it was a temporary tomb from which new life arose. That was written by Mike Belknap. He's a researcher for many of the exhibits at the Ark Encounter, the amazing attraction of Answers in Genesis that includes a full-size Ark and teaching about the historical reality of Noah and the worldwide flood. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find these original articles and hundreds more at our website, AnswersMagazine.com. The links to today's articles are listed in our show notes. And don't forget, you can always subscribe to receive the magazine in your mailbox every other month. I'm Dale Mason, publisher at Answers Magazine, and for the entire team, God bless. Two-thirds of young people are leaving the church by college age and biblical illiteracy is rising. People simply don't know what the Bible teaches or how to defend what they believe. What can we do to raise up a generation of young people who love God's Word and know how to answer today's skeptical questions? Well, to help parents, pastors, and other Christian leaders with this vital task, we developed Answers Bible Curriculum, a Sunday school curriculum that takes you on a chronological tour of the whole Bible over four years. 200 lessons address the real-life issues of Christians today, and you'll get a thorough understanding of the authority of Scripture and its primary teachings. And it's synchronized from preschool to adult, so the whole family is learning the same thing at varying levels. I encourage you to order Answers Bible Curriculum for your church, Christian or homeschool. Learn more at AnswersBibleCurriculum.com.